Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the summertime. They say the living is easy, but hey, it's never easy to lower yourself into the news headlines. Eee. It's the Newsbusters podcast. Tim Graham here with my boy Ben at the controls. So the FBI conducted a raid on Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's Florida home, and the news is incredibly nebulous. It is most untransparent. I think we can even read the summary from reliably liberal Brian Stelter on Twitter. He tweeted, More than 36 hours have passed since the FBI showed up at Mar-a-Lago. Officials have not explained why. Even though they have very good reasons for staying silent, the criticism is becoming deafening. I'm not sure the deafening part is right. And then, of course, Brian linked to the reliably liberal Reliable Sources newsletter where Oliver and Darcy obsessed over Fox News. Nothing surprising there. Yes, Fox News is very upset that Trump's Florida home got raided by the FBI. Meanwhile, we've got networks like CNN saying, could you be a lamb and not use the word raid? That's kind of a little harsh sounding. I was tweeting, I said, oh, let's just call it a gentle lavender scrub for documents. I mean, you know, they've raided Roger Stone, they've raided uh, Manafort. Where's Charlie Black? Somebody's got to raid Charlie Black. And Lee Atwater was gone. But yes, they used to have that firm, right? What was it? Black Manafort Stone with Atwater on the end? Way back in the when? Look, uh, let's begin with some idealism 101, if not journalism 101. The raid, as far as we understand, is apparently about presidential records that are still in Trump's custody that belong in some dusty section at the National Archives. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound to me like some sort of massive problem or major crime that's so serious it requires an FBI raid. The FBI never raided Hillary Clinton's house looking for her emails. Some people on the left immediately compared this to Hillary and accused the conservatives of a lock-her-up hypocrisy. I never liked the lock-her-up stuff anyway. You know, I didn't like the sound of that, just like I didn't like the sound of calling the media the enemy of the people. Partisans on both sides might switch their talking points on these things, depending on whose ox is gored. Partisanship is reliable, it's what you expect, and it does flip and it does flop. You'd like to think the media doesn't do that, but the problem with their media is it usually has a tendency to line up and flip and flop with whatever the Democratic talking points are. And they'll use the same double standard as their other fellow Democrat voters and strategists. So we should all just stipulate a truly objective media would attempt to apply a single standard to these issues of government documents. A truly objective media might also have a distaste for partisans who run around suggesting the other party's leaders should be in prison. 
we should say a fair amount of the network coverage so far that we've seen has reserved judgment and suggested that this response is not transparent enough, that the government, the government needs to provide a rationale for taking this unprecedented step. And this is a fact. We have no precedent for a former president being raided by the FBI. We have no precedent for an attorney general whose Supreme Court nomination was ruined by the former president signing off on such a raid. And we can easily predict how the liberal media would have reacted if Trump's FBI had raided the Clinton house in Chappaqua. It might be full fascism Friday or something. A lot of the reporting we saw on the networks was 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 restrained so far. I mean, and you could say that that sort of matches the Democrats were sort of like, oh, most of the Democrats were saying they were going to reserve judgment. They didn't know enough things. And that's fine. But once again, you can say the media is echoing the Democrats. The Democrats are, are restrained right now. But then there were people like goofy Joe Scarborough going off on one of those rants where he says fascist so many times, you think he gets a doggy treat every time he says it. This thing that this GOP represents under its current leadership is now increasingly more dangerous than it's ever been. And you that is that is profoundly important to understand right now. You know why? Because they're fascists. Like people that are making the threats the people that helped Donald Trump on January 6th, the people that were talking about coming to, to D.C., that it was going to be crazy, that it was going to, wi- going to be wild, they were going to charge the cap. They're fascists. And so they're making fascist threats, and we need to do what the United States has always done. Uh, we need to confront fascism and, and defeat it. So everybody that's freaking out over fascists being fascists, well, guess what? That's what fascists do. <laughs> That's why we have law enforcement to actually bring fascists to justice. And of course, we have some people who delight in the FBI raid, like it's a glorious thing. Now, to me, this has all the echoes of what they tried to do under the uh, the, the Dick Cheney scandal, if anybody remembers this. The Scooter Libby scandal. Does anybody remember any of this? This is a thing they would have called historic. You don't have to remember what that was about. You just have to remember that CNN commentators like Jack Cafferty were running around saying they wanted to see Karl Rove in an orange jumpsuit. They called it Fitzmas because the special prosecutor in this Cheney Libby thing was Patrick Fitzgerald. Fitzmas. Well, here we are again. Now we've come around to Stephen Colbert who had what we might call a premature ejaculation of schadenfreude. Yes, somehow, the FBI raid on Trump is Christmas. It may be hot outside, but in here, it's Christmas. (laughs) Because yesterday, we all got the present we wanted. FBI agents raided Mar-a-Lago. That's the most beautiful sentence America has ever produced. It's right up there with we put cheese inside the crust. 
If you think the FBI raiding someone's home is Christmas, what do you think? Is like the FBI's like Santa? I, I, do, I don't quite get the analogy. They're just saying that they love it. They always think that Trump is going to always get his comeuppance. And then they're always disappointed. Well, no one expects Colbert to be objective. You know, we recall the, you know, after Biden gave his convention speech on the Thursday night in, in 2020, Colbert comes on CBS and he says, this evening, Joe Biden showed himself to be a man who is decent, compassionate, flawed, but honest. And that is water in the desert. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Is it, this is the whole thing. Raiding Trump's house is from the decent and compassionate president who's water in the desert. There's just the presumption here that there's no evidence that Biden knew anything about this raid. Chucky e. Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats were like, what? I had no idea this was coming. There was absolutely zero cynicism on the idea that somehow maybe Biden didn't know anything. Maybe Ron Klain was left out of the loop. I think we know that, again, if we switched parties here, not just Trump, let's try Bush Cheney. Do you think that they would say, oh, Dick Cheney didn't know this was coming if it happened under Bush Cheney? None of them would buy that because they always thought Cheney was like, Darth Vader. So, some shameless journalists suggested the timing was unfortunate because Biden was doing so well. He had so many victories in a row. They were there with Jonathan Carl, crying that he wasn't getting enough credit. Meanwhile, he's out there with Flotsam, Jetsam, I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. Oh, they were so excited. Somehow Biden isn't responsible for any of this because it ruins his mojo. I wouldn't necessarily buy that. That is something we need to find out in the days and weeks ahead. That is part of the media demanding some transparency. We had sectors of the media that were just not going to be transparent about this. They were just going to exploit this to the maximum degree and try to make this political. Let's try Dana Milbank. Dana Milbank was on the readout with not so Joy Reid, although Joy Reid was out. I guess she was out on vacation somewhere. Maybe she was hanging out with the Obamas on Martha's Vineyard. As a, as a host, they chose the uh, nutty professor Jason Johnson he was talking about how Trump had a terrorist army that attacked the Capitol. And then Dana Milbank did some revisionist history and went back to the old claim that, yes, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans and Rush Limbaugh somehow caused the Oklahoma City bombing. Listen. Do you think that this raid on his home will lead to domestic violence, domestic terror, or any other sort of violent reaction as he claims that he's been violated in his home? 
Well, Jason, God willing, it won't, but that is exactly uh, the concern right now. And if you look at, uh, to go back to the 90s, as, as you just were, uh, before the Oklahoma City bombing, there was a whole lot of things building up to that, a lot of smaller uh, skirmishes and incidents, and a whole lot of heated rhetoric coming from uh, Republican uh, lawmakers, from conservative talk radio at the time. Uh, and it got heated and more heated. Uh, and then we had that uh, catastrophic event. Now, in case you're a youngster, the Oklahoma City bomber was a racist nut named Timothy McVeigh. And at that time, many irresponsible liberal smear artists in the media were trying to take this truck bombing of a federal building, which killed 168 Americans, including a room full of daycare kids, and blamed it all on Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh and other conservatives who wanted a limited government. I mean, our headline in our Media Watch newsletter back then was Timothy McVeigh, Newt's protege. And it didn't matter if Timothy McVeigh was like, you know, had the contract of, with America with him or something. I mean, it didn't matter. He had some crazy book, The Turner Diaries. Um, you know, you couldn't actually connect him to Rush or Newt, but they were going to do it anyway because that's what they do. Time Magazine said talk radio was an unindicted co-conspirator in the blast. On NBC, Brian Gumbel openly blamed Rush and Gordon Liddy and Oliver North for emboldening and encouraging extremists. And at the Washington Post, David Broder was ranting about how Limbaugh used the term America held hostage to describe the country under Clinton. Washington Post columnist Milbank also received a fulsome forum for his shtick on the NPR show, calling itself Fresh Air with Terry Gross, or you could just call it Gross Air. Milbank on that show was just uh, queued up to do the same shtick. It's really ominous, Terry. This is a dangerous time. I'm fearful for the country right now. It's even a step worse when you look at the pro-Trump social media channels. They're saying things like, tomorrow is war. They will cry out in pain. When does the shooting start? And you have Fox News echoing these themes of police state and tyranny and regime and third world authoritarianism. Look, I, I think this is absolutely a time for calm. It's not a time for civil war crap. Stop with that. When does the shooting start? You're a moron if you type that. But it's also a time to point and laugh at liberals like Milbank. Gee, Terry, we need to calm things down. That's why the title of my book on the Republicans is The Destructionists. Let's tone down the hyperbole and only call the Republicans crazy names. Yes, this from the guy with the newspaper with the, with the motto, Democracy Dies in Darkness. It's a really scary time when we have people echoing these themes of tyranny and authoritarianism, especially on the front page of the newspaper. Which bombing is going to be blamed on the Washington Post for that motto? I mean, what a clownish take from Milbank and in retrospect to Broder. Oh, it's very irresponsible for Rush to say America held hostage. But my paper is going to say democracy died in darkness, and that's going to be glorious. I did go look at uh, the Amazon page for Dana Milbank's book. 
And guess who's one of the dust cover blurbs? Here it is again. Jonathan Carl, objective reporter, ABC News. Dana Milbank is a sizzling hot observer of American politics. Oh, I hope that doesn't mean he thinks he's hot. Woohoo! Dana Milbank, looking good there in that Hunter Orange costume. Yeah, he actually wore a Hunter Orange costume on the Oberman show to mock Dick Cheney's for his shooting accident. Carl continued, his writing is irreverent, provocative, and whether or not you agree with his point of view, always entertaining. No, it's not. If you don't agree with his point of view, it's not entertaining. It's just smug. We had some other items we should just clean up here. Clean up on aisle newsbusters. Nick Fondacaro noted on all this raid stuff. They discussed this on MSNBC in the daytime. Substitute Aaron Gilchrist was talking to Clinton Watts, and they were talking about how nobody knew this was coming. Gilchrist asked, how closely held would this have been? And Clint Watts said, I would say second only to the Bin Laden raid if I had to guess. MSNBC, where you go to hear Donald Trump compared to Bin Laden. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, guys, that's, that's a clownish take, too. Uh, Watts went on to suggest the raid was something the FBI would have rehearsed and prepared contingencies for. Like there was going to be shooting? I mean, this is Mar-a-Lago. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess. Then there's Andrea Mitchell. Speaking of clownish takes, Andrea Mitchell, if you want to talk about somebody who sounds like a regime journalist, at least when the Democrats in, are in power, it's Andrea Mitchell. So, you know, Kevin McCarthy, who may be the incoming speaker, uh, reacted to news of this raid by suggesting that uh, Merrick Garland might want to clear his calendar and prepare for hearings. Andrea Mitchell thought this was horrific. This was terrible. How dare he say such a thing? You have an unrestrained, you know, litany of comments from Trump world and from, as we'll get to later with Ben Collins and others, you know, online, you know, threatening comments, in fact. And Kevin McCarthy with really, you know, I have to say, an outrageous attack on Merrick Garland, you know. You know, brace yourself when we take over, you know, clear your calendar, we're going to investigate you. Merrick Garland is the most careful, judicious, to a fault, some would say, uh, you know, attorney general in this case. And yes, they all want to pretend Merrick Garland is the most independent, judicious, nonpartisan person. And that, my friends, is where the partisanship begins. She's going to just somehow forget that this Justice Department thinks the greatest domestic terrorism going on in this country was January 6th, and who has spent an enormous amount of time and energy and federal dollars going after grandmas taking selfies. Yes, there were some violent offenses, but they have prosecuted a whole bunch of January 6th cases in a place that when we can go back to January 20, 2017, when you burned down a Starbucks or burned out a limo, well, you got off. There was no sentence for you because, well, that was just, you know, Antifa pranks or something. That's just cute. Property destruction in Northwest D.C., different than riding on Capitol Hill. That is different. 
But, you know, again, you, you just have to feel bad for people who did nothing violent on that day and who walked into the Capitol. I wouldn't advise it. And, of course, you don't even have to be at the Capitol. If you were at the rally beforehand, they pretty much want to accuse you of a crime. So, I mean, it, it, look, Merrick Garland has been a very partisan attorney general. He's done exactly what Biden's wanted him to do. We remember they're all cooperating in this idea that they need to go after dangerous parents at school board meetings. I mean, maybe there hasn't been a lot of prosecution there. But Merrick Garland's doing everything that Joe Biden wants him to do, just the way that Eric Holder was Obama's wingman. So anybody who's the clown that wants to try to suggest that the Justice Department under Democratic governments is nonpartisan, you can guarantee, like Andrea Mitchell, guess what? You're a Democrat partisan, and it's not easy to find that out. So if you want to keep up with how we're covering the hot stories of the day, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for checking in.